Welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. And we delve deeper into the true meaning of real, conscious love. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, creator of Mindful Love. I have a special guest host today who's been on the podcast several times in the past. Her name is Andrea Caggiano, also another Andrea from New York. She is a sex therapist in our community who specializes in ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, and kink. On episode 88, she's going to talk about desire discrepancy, or maybe you can also see it as imbalanced libidos. Whereas one's desire, a frequency of intimacy, isn't matching what is really happening. Before we get started, I want to highlight my new eight-week online program called Mindful Love, Conscious Relating Keys to Intimacy by First Loving Yourself. My heart is about helping others create the romantic love life of their dreams by first turning the love to themselves. Having a healthy relationship feels like an elusive, magical thing to find or create these days. What if I taught you the way to find the magic within yourself to magnetize your ideal partner or enabled you to rewrite your love story in your current connection? Please book a 30-minute relationship clarity call. I'll go ahead and leave the links in the show notes, but you can find me at andreaatherton.com. And listeners, go ahead and pull up a chair, turn us up on your stereo, put your ear pods on, and join us in this conversation as I welcome our extra special guest host, Andrea Caggiano. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Love Anarchy podcast. My name is Andrea Caggiano, and I will be your guest host for the week, stepping in for my good friend, Andrea. And I'm so excited to be here, not only as a guest, but now as a guest host. So thank you so much for having me. I am a sex therapist in Fort Collins, Colorado. Some of you may remember me from my previous appearances on the podcast. I have a private practice in Fort Collins called Juniper Counseling, and there I see both individuals and provide relational therapy, um, primarily for folks who are practicing non-monogamy and kink. And so those are two pretty big umbrella terms that capture a whole lot. Um, But that's the the bulk and the majority of my practice. You can find me if you'd like um, on Instagram at junipercounseling underscore FC. And today I'm going to be talking with you all about an issue that I see very, very often in my practice. So as I mentioned before, I see both individuals and folks in relationship, whether that be a couple, a triad, a polycule, however the relationship is structured. 
And a really common issue or problem that's identified by many of my clients is going to be the the topic, the subject of the pod today. And if there's any other sex therapists out there listening, I'm wondering if they would also agree that this is something that we see so often, whether it's um, identified as like the presenting issue right off the bat, or if it's something that we identify as we move through our work together. And that topic is desire discrepancy. And so to define desire discrepancy, you know, sometimes folks will label this as a mismatch of libido. I've heard it put that way as well. But typically in the sex therapist community, we are using the phrasing uh, desire discrepancy to, to describe this issue. So what is desire discrepancy? So desire discrepancy is defined as the difference between one's desired frequency of sexual intimacy, physical intimacy, and the actual frequency of sexual intimacy or physical intimacy. Now, this does not have to be relegated to intercourse, right? I think so often we conflate intercourse as sex, but sex is really such a larger umbrella term that can encapsulate so much uh, physical intimacy outside of what we often think of as quote unquote sex. So really when we're talking about desire discrepancy, this can include anything from, you know, physical touch um, along the lines of like massage or cuddling um, all the way to, you know, what we might define as sex. But the issue here is that there is some type of discrepancy uh, between partners. And again, this is a, an issue that I see so often in my practice where I'll be working with a couple or someone in relationship and they'll say, Hey, my partner and I have discovered that there is a big, big discrepancy between our desire levels and it's causing a tremendous amount of strain in the relationship. So how common is desire discrepancy? Incredibly common. <laughs> and again, if other sex therapists are listening, I'm, I'm wondering if they might agree with that as well. Um, it's been reported that this is the most commonly cited reason that folks access sex therapy or couples therapy at all is to address this type of um, desire discrepancy. And research shows us that this type of issue um, really is somewhat consistent throughout all types of relationships. So monogamous folks, non-monogamous folks, heterosexual folks, folks in the LGBTQ community. Um, this seems to be an issue that uh, can be a bit pervasive across many, many different uh, communities. So 
when we talk about desire discrepancy, I think culturally we've kind of internalized um, a few different narratives um, around desire discrepancy. And I'd like to kind of take a few minutes to sit with some of those and dispel some myths um, around desire discrepancy. So when we're working with folks who identify as heterosexual, so you have a heterosexual couple and there um, is desire discrepancy, very often uh, the male-bodied partner is characterized as hypersexual. Um, I've heard terms thrown around like sex addict, um, that type of thing. And then the female body partner is often looked at as frigid um, or closed down. And unfortunately, what seems to happen uh, because of those cultural stereotypes is there's a lot of shame and judgment that happens within the relationship structure. And so the partners might be judging each other or judging themselves um, for whatever their levels of desire are. And oftentimes I'll have couples come into therapy, they'll cite this issue of desire discrepancy as something they really want to work on. And then the next thing they'll say is something to the effect of, how can we get my partner to change or how can I change to better fit my partner? And so I think that there's a big misconception or a big myth out there that somehow um, certain desire levels are more preferable, are more ideal, are better than others. And I think sometimes the confusion comes in where folks will um, make the assumption that sex therapy is um, a vehicle or a method to either change their partner or change themselves because somebody in this structure or somebody in this paradigm is wrong. Well, I'm here to tell you that that is absolutely untrue, um, that there is no ideal expression of desire that we all need to conform to or that we have to um, change our partners into being. It's really about learning yourself and learning your partner, and then figuring out how to negotiate that space. So the first thing that I often do with couples and folks that are experiencing desire discrepancy is to figure out a way to start to break down some of that judgment, whether it's directed at a partner or at themselves, that somehow um, one expression of libido is better than others, that one expression of libido is quote unquote normal, and that the other is abnormal. So we really want to start there. So for example, just because one partner might desire to be intimate or have sex every day or several times a week, 
it doesn't necessarily mean that the other partner who doesn't want that type of frequency is somehow wrong or lacking or failing or that they have any type of responsibility to, quote, fix themselves or fix the situation. It's more about just learning ourselves, understanding ourselves, and understanding our partners. So when we think about how to do that, how to understand ourselves, it can be really helpful to think about how desire becomes initiated in a person in the first place. And contrary to popular belief, there is not one way that this happens, right? So the way that one person might experience desire or get turned on or get aroused might look really different than how other people experience that or um, are open to that feeling. So in her book, Come As You Are, sex therapist Emily Nagoski um, talks a little bit about the different types of desire. And folks, if you have not read the book, Come As You Are, I highly recommend it. Even if you're not a sex therapist or you don't have interest in this world, you're not experiencing difficulty in this regard. It's just such a wonderful read, um, in my opinion, for all humans (laughs) with the body, uh, just to start to get to know yourself and to feel really empowered and accepting of your own body and your own sexual experience. And so when we think about desire, uh, Emily in her book did just a wonderful job of talking about the difference between what she terms spontaneous desire versus responsive desire. And folks, I think this is really, really important because the vast majority of couples or folks in relationship that I work with around this issue have no idea that this designation either exists. Typically, folks are coming to me with this preconceived notion that the way that they're experiencing desire is wrong or the way their partner is experiencing desire is wrong. And they have no idea that there's this variability and nuance in how we as humans uh, experience desire. So I'm going to spend a few minutes here talking a little bit about the difference between spontaneous and responsive desire types, because folks, this is so important, not only to better understand yourself, but to be able to better understand your partner and how they're showing up in the relational space. So spontaneous sexual desire is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It shows up instantly with or without stimulation. And research shows us that the vast majority of men, approximately 75%, experience spontaneous desire, while only about 15% of women experience desire this way. 
And oftentimes I'll hear from my clients that, you know, this type of desire, um, either within themselves or from a partner can often feel like a switch flipping. It can feel a little bit abrupt, maybe jarring, as, uh, sometimes maybe even confusing. Oftentimes I'll hear from my clients, you know, we were doing something completely, um, platonic or not sexy at all. And yet my partner, um, out of nowhere experienced this desire and it was very, uh, confusing and kind of jarring. And that can definitely introduce, um, some frustration or friction or even anxiety, um, into the relational space. If folks don't necessarily know how to respond to that, when we look at responsive desire, that is when desire shows up in response to stimulation. And so meaning something sexy or exciting happens and then the body responds. And this is also related to what Emily Nagoski in her book calls contextual sexual desire. So that is when the circumstances and the environment impact the ability to feel sexual desire. And so the vast majority of women are falling into this category of responsive or contextual sexual desire um, rather than spontaneous. So contextual desire, you know, context matters for a lot of people. Think about how often folks report, hey, when I'm really stressed out, when I have a ton going on, when, you know, the house is dirty or the, you know, kids are acting out or I don't feel well physically in my body, um, that is going to impact my ability to step into uh, the sexual space. So again, just understanding how these designations impact not only, you know, you as an individual, but how you are showing up into the relational space, how your partner's showing up into that space can be incredibly helpful. Not in an effort to say, oh, I have responsive desire, so I need to change myself to spontaneous. Not at all. But really more to say, oh, my partner falls more along the lines of spontaneous desire. And so I better understand where they're coming from and how they're approaching this space. And maybe I have a little bit more compassion and empathy and understanding around it so that it's not um, so much of a, what I like to call in my work, a crunchy experience where we're experiencing maybe judgment or frustration. And folks, remember that this is absolutely something that can fluctuate uh, with the life cycle. So as we age, um, as we enter into 
different phases of life. I can't tell you how many clients I've had who identify that the arrival of children um, significantly changed their sex life, uh, either in partnership uh, and or their sex life as they access it as individuals, which speaks to, you know, the fluctuating levels of desire. And so just because you and your partner might have some type of um, rhythm or, you know, different designations now, remember that that uh, could change as we go through the life cycle. So again, bringing it back to where I started, remember that neither is wrong. Just because someone has a spontaneous desire type does not mean that that is aspirational and or vice versa, that the responsive or contextual desire type is something to be um, worked toward or, you know, to change yourself to meet that style. It's more about understanding yourself understanding your partner and understanding how it affects the relational space. So what do you do? What do you do if you find that you and your partner have different desire types and that there is some type of big desire discrepancy in the relationship that's making it a really big challenge to move forward and where you feel like you continue to have conflict and disagreement and get stuck? Well, my first recommendation would be to talk about it. I know that, you know, in our society and in our culture, it can be really, really hard to talk about sex. The majority of us are bringing these um, shame-filled narratives or at the very least pretty significant discomfort around the idea of sex and desire and things of that nature. I mean, the vast majority of us didn't receive very good sex education at all throughout our childhoods. Um, And oftentimes these types of conversations or this type of uh, just subject, um, it wasn't modeled for us. We never really learned how to approach a partner and say, hey, we're not on the same page sex-wise. What can we do about it and how can we have that conversation? So step one is really being willing to talk about it and being willing to listen to what your partner is saying. Again, we have the tendency as human beings to approach some of these spaces with shame um, or with judgment or a combination of the two. And so being able to really listen to what your partner is saying and how they're expressing their needs and how they're describing where they're coming from in terms of desire rather than immediately coming to this idea of judgment, um, either judging yourself or judging your partner. Step two would absolutely be if you have the accessibility to do so to find a sex therapist where you can access couples or relational therapy um, to have a safe space to navigate this. Uh, It can be so empowering and so healing to have a safe space created and held to be able to talk about this stuff where you know that you have a designated 
needed time with no distractions to be able to really give voice to what's happening for you, your concerns, and then thinking about how to move forward. And so if you have the ability to do so, if it does feel accessible for you, I would highly recommend um, accessing the services of a sex therapist to be able to um, navigate and negotiate this issue. You know, and step three would be to think about ways that you and your partner, you and your partners, plural, um, can build intimacy, whatever that means. Oftentimes when we have desired discrepancy, um, I tend to see folks fall into this all or nothing approach where either uh, there's no type of intimacy at all, or there's this expectation um, that sex needs to be occurring all the time. Um, Let's try to break down that all or nothing approach and invite some exploration throughout that spectrum. So is there a way that you and your partner are able to connect, are able to cultivate and foster intimacy that may not involve sex, may not involve physical intimacy at all? And so oftentimes really building out that foundation of emotional intimacy and emotional connectivity can just help us feel closer to our partners so that we can really step into a space of dialogue and communication around this issue and figure out um, a healthy way to move forward for both partners. So again, Neither uh, desire type is the right one or ideal or preferable, you know, really digging into this idea that wherever you fall on that desire spectrum or whatever designation you're in is totally okay and is a wonderful way to experience uh, desire and intimacy and really kind of owning that and then making the focus how to really understand yourself um, and your partner. Well, I hope that this has been useful um, for folks out there. I love talking about this stuff. I could talk about it um, all day if uh, folks let me. (laughs) But I know that uh, we're going to keep this a little shorter today, so I'm going to start to wrap up. Again, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Feel free to check me out on Instagram at junipercounseling underscore fc. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you listeners for listening in with us on the Love Anarchy podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, signing off with you today. But before I do, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening in with us, because I know you have a myriad of podcasts in which you can listen to. And just a reminder, my eight-week course on mindful love, rewriting your love story by first loving yourself, is available now. And you can contact me on Facebook or on my website. You can sign up for a free session with me to see your number one block to love. 
please subscribe, ring the bell, leave feedback. It helps this podcast so much. And don't forget to tell your friends. If you want to become a part of the Love Anarchy community, you can find us in the Love Anarchy podcast on Facebook. I'm going to leave you with my favorite short but sweet quote. Love is the only true power. Mm -hmm.